A puta da leitura. No books, no architecture. This is a podcast concerned with publishing in architecture, being curious about diverse perspectives on the built environment, taking shape of a book, a magazine or a newspaper. I'm Julia and you're listening to Radio Antecamera. This program emerges from conversations with authors and critics around new publications presented and on sale in our pop-up bookstore at Galeria Antecamera. Hi, my name is Jeff Wood, and I'm here in Berlin with Cooper Wood, age seven. And we're going to talk about two books today. Many Intelligences by Matteo Loglio and Happily Ever After, Tales for a Fairy Tale Climate Change by Paola Moment. And we read both of these books together, didn't we, Cooper? Yes. Yes. And did you appreciate both of them? Yes. Yes? Which book would you like to talk about first? Happily Ever After. Happily Ever After, Tales for a Fairy Tale Climate. All right. This was a very nice book because it did what? Do you remember what the sort of concept of this book is? It had lots of different fairy tales in it, and they just the, they put climate change in it. That's right. The book takes fairy tales and puts them in the context of climate change in order to talk about different aspects of climate change. And we're not going to read the whole book today, but um, it goes through maybe five or six different aspects of climate change, and we can talk about those. And one of the cool things is the way that the drawings worked. How does this first drawing work, which takes the fairy tale of Little Red Riding Hood and puts it in the climate change context of deforestation? Um, first, on the first page, you don't really see the house, Little Red Riding Hood, or the wolf because it's all covered in in a forest, and then on the next page, you see a hunter trying to shoot the wolf and all the trees um, knock down, and then you see the wolf, Little Red Riding Hood, and the hunter. Right, and you can see everything because all the trees are now gone and cut down, and there's only stumps. And consequently, the wolf has to adapt to this new environment and change his behavior entirely. And he has to learn how to run. Yeah, he has to learn how to run away from the hunter Pe rather than being able to scare. Because he before he did, wasn't used to running, but he was used to um, scaring people, so now he has to learn how to run. And the first sign says what? De stop. Let's stop deforestation. Let's stop deforestation. So we were able to talk about what deforest, what the word deforestation means, right? Which you have already explained. Then the next one is about a cat with boots. Yeah, the, from the fairy tale um, Puss in Boots. And what does he encounter? He um, he says. Um, let's stop the rising sea level. Right. And the rising sea levels are happening because why? 
You don't remember? No. Uh, because of global warming is causing... The, the, all the ice to melt. All the ice to melt and, and cause the sea level to rise, which in our story here affects what? Uh, remember, it affects the city mm-hmm. where the cat lives. Yeah. Venice. Venice, a city surrounded by water. So what does the next sign say? Let's stop the rising sea level. Very good. And you're also just beginning to learn how to read. So the next, these little signs are really helpful for that. And the next one is about a fisherman that every day he went to fish, but he was famous for being the unluckiest guy on the island. And he never caught any fish. And, and this first drawing is, is, is quite strong and a little bit scary. Why? Because there's so much smoke. There's so much smoke. He's fishing on the edge of a city where there are lots and lots of factories. And so what we discover is that when he tries to change his good luck and catches fish... The whole sea is filled with... Um, Trash. The whole sea is filled with trash. But I noticed that if he had raised his hook a little higher, he would have managed to catch a bottle that had a fish in it. So there's a little bit of good news, isn't there? And this drawing is all in black and white, and the fish is in what color? Yellow. Yellow. So there are still some fish left in the sea, but the sign here is... No more plastic. No more plastic. And this is something that we have talked about quite a lot, right? Yes. Yes. Because each time we go to Portugal, we go to the beach and e- e- even if we didn't even if we didn't want to pick up plastic, we always pick up the plastic that we find. That's right. And what have we done in our own lives to try and reduce p- plastic? Uh we have my dad and my mom have not got me almost never toys of plastic, but sometimes they get me little toys with plastic. Right. We try not to, don't we? But of course, many toys are still made out of plastic, including your favorite toy. Lego! Legos, which are made out of a... Special plastic. And my dad told me, and he showed me a picture of they're trying to make Legos that are not made out of plastic. And my dad showed me the p- picture of the first Lego made um, that didn't have plastic. Really? Yeah. Your dad showed you that? Mm-hmm. He sounds like a really smart guy. Yeah. Where is he? <laughs> is he here? Yes. Um, <clears throat> he's in my room. Uh, wow, and this next drawing is really cool, and probably my favorite drawing in this book. And it's about what? It's about the sea getting warmer, so the um, plants in the sea are are getting are starting to to get white and not red. That's right, and this drawing shows that very well and actually in a very beautiful way. Do you remember the name of those plants that are actually animals, but they kind of seem like plants? Algae. Almost algae. It's actually coral reefs. 
Mm-hmm. Right? But there's lots of algae and coral. There are. And actually, their algae is involved in the um, process of a coral reef's um, life cycle. I saw in a movie that I watched once that th- th- in the coral reefs, um, the coral has like little um, like bows in them. And then when they see a little... in. Um, of fish coming, they just shoot their bow that has a little string attached to it, and then it kills the fish and brings it to their mouth. Yeah, that's really crazy and, and really sophisticated and impressive for an animal that looks like a plant. Um, and what happens to this coral reef um, as a consequence of uh, global warming and the warming of sea temperatures? Um, there's like a little fish. That looks like Nemo. Right, because he's a clownfish. And he... A very popular clownfish. And he um, lo- and he was famous for going always really far from his home. Right. And he always played hide-and-seek with his dad, but it was getting less and less fun because his dad always found him straight away. And what happens to the reef here because of, glo- because of warming sea temperatures? It... All the all the um, coral begins to get white, so we can't hide. Yeah, it almost looks like a ghost reef, doesn't it? Yes. Which you can find real pictures of, which are quite strong and Scary. haunting. And this is a really nice um, part of this book, the way that the artist has drawn the transition of coral reefs here from full of color to kind of ghostly white. But um, the artist that did this did all the drawings in this book. Yeah, I think so. So this sign says... Almost. Save the coral reef. Then we have a story about what? 40 thieves. Yeah, and what are they talking about? They're talking about that... Stop um, desertification. Desertification. Very, very good. And that, I, was, that was a new word for us, desertification. It's just a bit hard to say. Just a bit hard to say. And what does it mean? It means um, that there's getting more and more deserts on the earth. Right. And the last story is about three, is a very common, popular story, the three little bears. And they do what? They were famous for their three bowls of porridge and their three chairs and their three beds. And they decided to move to, to the, the Arctic. Arctic, which was a better place to enjoy the, their porridge, they thought, but, and it was not so cold. Right. They were surprised at how warm it was there. And... The snowman is melting, thing. right? And the ice cap is breaking like there, up. Like there, wait, wait. Here. The ice is sinking. And we have a final sign here that says... That has three bears on top of each says, other. It says, stop, stop global, global warming. warming. Right. And then at the end of this book... There's more fairy tale guys that have signs right because but they're it, not all in the book right because it shows everyone coming together with their signs to talk about 
all of these issues. And at the very end of the book, it describes these Is issues. Is now the time I can say? You can, just a second. Yay. Let me, let me, yeah, you had a very interesting comment here. And that comment, that comment came at the end of the book when the book kind of in more detail describes the uh, specific dimensions of global warming that were discussed here. Global warming, deforestation, desertification, rising sea levels, coral reef destruction, plastic pollution. And then at the very end of the book, it says, this is why it is so important to get informed and understand what contribution each of us can make to protect the earth where we, like so many other species, are guests. We're not guests here. We live here. That is true. And I thought this was a very interesting um, insight that you had and comment you made uh, about the difference between being guests and being at home somewhere. Um, I think what the book was trying to say is that we should treat this as, as, as well as if we were in someone else's home. But what you're saying is what? We're not guests here. We live here. We live here. And so we actually should treat this planet like our own home and treat ourselves as if we actually belong here. Because we do. Because we do. Very nice, Cooper. And now we're moving on to the next book. Which is called Many Intelligences by Matteo Locleo. And this is a really long book. It was kind of a long book, longer than the um, fairy tale climate change book, but and, a pretty interesting one. And also, when my mom read it to me, it felt even longer. Really? Because my mom reads um, books to me slower. Does she? Than you. Ah. Well, maybe because she were reading in different languages. Um, this book... Um, in general, is about what? It's about intelligence. It's about intelligence, right? And what intelligence is and what it means for us. Um, and how does the book talk about what intelligence is? Do you remember? No, not really. No? It's a bit complex, isn't it? The book does a really good job of talking about how complex it is. But it's a bit complicated. It is complicated because intelligence is complicated. But the book does a nice job of organizing that complicated theme by first talking about intelligence in terms of ourselves. And the way that it does that is that it points out and demonstrates with its beautiful drawings that intelligence has allowed us to collaborate. You know what collaboration is, right? Yeah. What? Uh... I knew what it was, but now I just forgot. <laughs> really? Yeah. Collaboration is people working together. together. We're working together, like we're doing right now. We're talking about a book together, together and sharing it, sharing that conversation with other people. The book does something really cool because it talks about intelligence between human beings as collaboration. And then it talks about intelligence. Um with regard to animals, right? And there was one animal here, of course, that you were very 
Um, Surprised of the starfish. The starfish. Because I never knew that a starfish, its whole body is a brain. Its whole body is a brain spread out through his arms. And I never knew that even when I was holding starfishes, and and I always do when I see one. And that's an amazing thing is that when we're in Portugal, you get to hold a starfish and actually see and feel its intelligence which is spread out through its body. And you get to see and feel its intelligence with your intelligence, which means that you and the starfish are kind of collaborating. The next animal that is, you really oh, noticed was... The octopus. The, my, my dad... It, the octopus is my dad's favorite sea creature. <laughs> Why? Because it's super smart, plus it can change colors, and that's all I know. Yeah. And you had an encounter with an octopus recently, didn't you? Yes. Like, um, we were in Portugal. Then I had put my foot into a little water puddle at the beach, and then suddenly an octopus arm just came out um, under the rock and pulled my leg, but I was too strong. And then I saw little crab, and I had an idea so for it let for it me to let go. So I pushed the crab, and then it fell into the my, the same puddle that my foot was in. And immediately the octopus let me go and snatched the crab instead. And then I saw the broken two pieces of the arms crabs floating out. This was really amazing. You had an encounter with an octopus the in the wild. The first time. Yeah, totally. And so there there was basically an encounter between two intelligent creatures, you and the octopus. And the octopus actually reached out to you to touch you on the foot. Mm. Really amazing. You're really lucky. And the octopus was really lucky too that you weren't hunting octopuses. Right. I didn't even want to hunt it. I never want to hunt an octopus. Uh, you made an, I never will. You made an interesting comment about this octopus, didn't you? The first time we read it, which was what? The one about the spider? Yeah. Um, the drawing of this octopus doesn't even look like an octopus. It looks more like a spider because the tentacles that are under are straight like legs, not all wiggly like an octopus. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty interesting and we talked about how that's the interesting thing about doing about doing drawings um, ourselves is that it's the artist's impression of, a, of an octopus um, that to you actually looks a little bit more like a spider, but to me looks like the octopus might be hiding in the shadows so all we see are its eyes and parts of its legs. But I agree it does look a little bit like a spider. What what uh, do octopuses and spiders have in common? Eight legs. Eight legs, correct. And, but on the next page, the octopus's legs that are, you can't see its body, only the legs look more like an octopus's right, legs. Right, right. And there was something earlier in this book that was mentioned about intelligence and human collaboration, which I thought was interesting. The book says that human beings are the only animals that collaborate. And I thought this was interesting because I'm not sure if that's true. I think that wolves collaborate when they're hunting and maybe also... Wolves do collaborate and, when they're hunting. And maybe also um, 
orcas or killer whales and other um, sea mammals. But that's the cool thing about books is that books propose an idea and then you can talk about the idea and do further investigation to see if that idea is actually true. Dolphins also collaborate to hunt. They there's one way that I learned about in another podcast I heard about dolphins. Yeah. That they when they see a um, a bunch of fish together, they go they, they join all the dolphins join and they start circling around the fish make it impossible for them to escape. And then they, like, make an underwater fish tornado. And then when the fish are getting dizzy, they just dive in and catch as many fish as possible. Very, very intelligent collaboration, which is uh, something that this book has really... Not... Has really really brought up and caused us to discuss. This part of the book, then... um, This part of the book was about what? Animal companions. Like I said, that po- there is police dogs exist, doctor dogs exist, and fireman dogs exist too. Right. So there's a lot and of fireman horses exist too in some places. There's a lot of quite complex, intelligent collaboration going on between human beings and between human beings and animals and possibly even animals and other animals. Then the book moves from talking about human being intelligence, animal intelligence, to what? To robot intelligence. To robot intelligence or computer intelligence or what we now call artificial intelligence. And this is basically my dad and and me found this is not really true. Which part? this one. What is this? You're looking at a drawing here. What is this? It's a very, very nice, very funny drawing of what? Of a cooking pan with a face. A cooking pan with a face. A smart cooking pan. Yes, but, and then it said, maybe once a cooking pan is going to cook better than any chef in the world. And I don't think that's true. You don't think that's true? Because no one likes to be burned. And if a cooking pan is actually cooking, it's basically sitting on fire. Wow. And so what you're really thinking about here is not only whether a an artificial intelligence will be able to cook better than a person, but you're also thinking about the experience of the artificial intelligence, which is that it would be sitting on the cooking fire, yeah. which would not be so fun. No. And um, and I'm also thinking about all the incredible cooks that are in places, especially like Portugal, and wondering if it would ever be possible for an artificial intelligence to cook better than them. But it also said on a part with an elephant that um, elephants' intelligence, they can remember things about 40 years ago. Which is amazing. Right, forty. Forty years ago. That's almost longer than than some humans can remember some things, right? I can remember since I was a baby where I where you were taking out my diaper. Really? I can still remember. Wow, I'm sorry that you have to remember that. <laughs> but I can still remember it. Oh, it was wow. on the place where my Lego temple is. Wow. And if you were remembering something from forty years ago, you would actually be remembering something from another life. Wouldn't you? 
you'd have you'd be having a memory from before you were born. Which I can't have. Had. Non, no human being can remember something before they were bro- born. Really? Do you think not? No. Even an octopus? Only if... Th- Even maybe, an octopus? Maybe an octopus. What about a toaster? No. A toaster. <laughs> but this was kind of, I think, your favorite part of the book, wasn't it? Yes. Maybe a toaster someday would not like to um, toast bread anymore, but would like to read books. <laughs> because a toaster would be so intelligent that it would decide to read books instead of toast bread. That would be pretty amazing. The toaster would be doing what we're doing now. Maybe the toaster would even decide to write children's books, and instead of toast coming out of the toaster... Books. Books would come out of the toaster. A toasting... Uh, no, the, the, uh, a toaster that toasts books. Wow. And then the very end of the book... Is very, very nice, and it brings all these sections together. Intelligence between human beings, intelligence between animals, and between animals and human beings, and between computers and artificial intelligences and animals and human beings. The very end of the book says, how will those more intelligent beings treat us? Luckily, I unplugged our computer, which is a device that when you say computer, it's going to turn on, and you can ask... To, to play music, and it'll play the exact music. But I unplugged it, so just now it didn't turn on. So it wouldn't interrupt our conversation, right? And yes. you pointed out that there were that there were artificial intelligence heads in this book that looked like our computer. But what was your comment about how will these more intelligent beings treat us? Um, good, but also maybe bad. Because why? Because... If they're less intelligent than us, they're going to definitely treat us bad. You think? Yes. Are you sure that's true? Maybe. Maybe it depends more on how we treat them. I know. How we treat each other, how we treat other animals, and how we treat artificial intelligences. But we don't really know, do we? No, not really. Because if we wanted to treat them bad by taking out their batteries, they couldn't treat us bad. Right. Because they would be off. That's true. That's true. So it's really But we can't just turn everything off. We have to think yeah. about how we treat each other and other creatures, especially intelligent. Can other we do creatures. now? Can we go to the page with the alien? With the alien? Yes. Where was that? That was the page. Yeah. That page is so cool. Was it the page with the insect? No, it was the page with these. I can. I still remember the words of that page. You do? Can you tell them it, to me? It was that um, that maybe far in the universe, there's different intelligence that work differently than ours. In, the, in a different universe or out in space. That's really nice that you remembered that sentence and that idea of intelligence that there can be different kinds of intelligences than the ones that we're familiar with and that's a very nice thing that this book talks about have you enjoyed these books today yeah me too and i've enjoyed talking with you about them have you yes great maybe we can do it again sometime but with different books but with different books because now we have to return these books i think so thank you very much cooper 
Bye-bye.